What's up, guys? Hey, yo! Yo, yo, yo! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mad Handle Podcast, Playoff Bubble Edition. That's right. How's everyone doing tonight? Doing good. Doing great. Let's talk some hoops. What do you guys think? I'm excited. But naturally, we have to talk about the latest with our homegrown New York Knicks, right? <laughs> of course, dude. That's, I mean, let's start it off. I mean, lots of stuff happening. Us getting screwed over in the, the lottery again. Uh, <laughs> Coach, <laughs> Coach Woody's back, which is like, I don't know what to think about that. And I mean, of course, there's there's always stuff going on. Tibbs is bringing in more coaches. Like, what do you guys think about that? The draft pick is just incredible because I'm almost numb to it. It was like, yeah, eight. Okay, cool. Um, but should I pour one out for my boy Woodson? The, the most winningest Knicks coach in the past, what, two, three decades? <laughs> The guy can't get a head coaching job and has to come back as an assistant. That's brutal. It's tough. It's tough. Charlie, what do you think? Easy. I love the point about Mike Woodson. You know he probably went to be an assistant coach at the Clippers thinking he was going to parlay that into a head coaching (laughs) gig after they won a title this year. And he's literally stuck coming back to the Knicks. Um, the draft pick, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's such an interesting draft this year because I feel like the talent is, is just not what it normally would be in, in a, in a really stellar draft. Um, hopefully they get a point guard. I like the kid out of, out of Iowa state. Uh, obviously you've got Cole Anthony out of UNC. So I don't know, they could go a couple of different ways, but, uh, but it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, and easy to your point, like Woody and Charlie, to your point as well, like you would think that this guy would be getting like head coaching job offers. No, like, I mean, he's been a, a, a good assistant on some pretty good teams. And he led the Knicks to like a few of our only winning seasons in the past like 10 years, which like should really count for something. So I do kind of feel bad for him, but in terms of the draft, like, I'm just looking at, like, all, like, the speculation on, like, who the, the Knicks are going to have their pick of. And all I'm seeing is this three and D guys. And I'm like, oh, no. We're going we're gonna to draft another Kevin Knox and we're going to be screwed again. Charlie, what do you think about that? We lost Charlie. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, back, sorry. Uh, no, Kev, I'm totally with you. Totally with your point there. If I have to see Kevin Knox dribble to the right and try lay up off the glass, I'm going to go crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, the talent is just so up and down. Uh, you know, I know tons of Knicks fans were talking about LaMelo Ball. You know, I know he's supposedly got the high upside. The shot really isn't there, though. And really, when you look at Weissman, too, I mean, he's good. I don't know if he's going to be the difference maker for a team like the Warriors, though. Easy. What do you think about those two guys? Um, I, I, don't, I don't see how we go big in the draft. 
um, yeah. just because we're banking so, so much on Mitch and yeah. RJ's not some like floor spacing player. So like, I'd be surprised if we went big. Um, I, I heard this funny, funny stat that the Knicks have not traded up in the draft s- since we got Ewing. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, personally, I don't see, you know, RGM doing anything this year to, like, move up. Because, like, we don't really have the assets to, like, package anything, like, together that would – and, I, I, frankly, I don't think that this is the draft class to do it. But um, I wish it was because I think we do have the assets. I think those Clippers picks are fucking bullshit. <laughs> They're the, I mean, uh, the Mavericks picks. One of them's the Clippers yeah. pick, and the other one's from the Mavericks. Dude, they're both really good. They're going to be late first round picks, pretty much second round draft picks. We don't know how to draft or evaluate talent. I wish this was a good draft because at least we could package them for something higher up, but I don't think that there's a guy higher up to stretch or reach for, you know? That's a, that's a good point. Charlie, if you had to – besides these two guys, the top guys like Ball and Weissman, would you trade up for any other player in this draft? No. I mean, and I know Anthony Edwards is getting so much love. They love him as this sort of like hybrid scoring big. And I know some of the drafts that I've seen come out have slotted him into to the Warriors also too thinking that he's going to be a, a really good beneficiary of the floor spacing with Steph and Clay, and, and obviously, you know, playing in that style of offense where the ball is moving a lot and, and you can take advantage of him. You know, for me, though, Easy, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, those Dallas picks, they just are not going to turn out to be anything. And I think the, the smart move on the Knicks pick is to try and use one of those, if not maybe both of them, and then take on somebody like Frank or a Dennis Smith Jr. or even a Kevin Knox and package it for some sort of star. And I know we were talking in the last podcast about, you know, us sort of debating that strategy. But the more and more I think about it, I, I agree. The, the draft is just not our friend. <laughs> it's never been. And one of the things I read about, and Easy, what do you think about this guy? Because – I read that there's been t- talks between the Knicks and the Bulls over Laurie Markkinen, which, like, I feel like he's a KP, but, like, light, like a light version of Porzingis. Like, yeah. what are your thoughts on getting him? Um, I forget who it was first, but he threw down this daddy dunk right in this dude's face and stared him down. And I was like, oh, baby. <laughs> But then I'm pretty sure that's, that's all that's happened in three years of him being a pro. So, like, it's tough. It really depends on, like, what we would have to give up for him. But if it was, like, a combination of one of those picks and, like, I don't know, Kevin Knox or Frank, I think I would do it just because he is – he does provide that spacing. He could hit the three. He's also, like, pretty athletic to be a big. Charlie, what are your what are your thoughts on Markinen? 
Yeah, so I think it's super interesting. My question is, like, what does the lineup look like if Mitch is also on the floor? Like, is it an either-or situation? Like, are you either playing Mitch or Laurie? Do you play them both? And then the thing about it is, do you have to then unleash Mitch's outside shot to, to let the defense not cheat and basically not guard Mitch on the perimeter? Like, if he's able to space the floor and you have Mitch who's maybe hitting a, a jumper and obviously Laurie who's known to hit the three, it could be interesting. But, again, it's not somebody that I would want to give up a ton of assets for. He's not in that tier of star that I think is a difference maker for both Knicks fans, frankly, the media too, and obviously the team. So I, I don't see it happening. I think it could be sort of a stretch for the Knicks, honestly. I could definitely see that. I mean, and he's he's injured a lot too, right? He's just coming off an injury now, yeah. which I think is a good segue to go into one of our former Knicks who seems to be injured a lot and his brother dictating his career in New York and now in Dallas. But what are your guys' thoughts on Kristaps Porzingis? Soft as baby shit. <laughs> I kind of agree. It. So, just like before we get into this, I, I listen to a lot of like Dallas radio. So, like, we get Dallas all the time. They are like super, super high on Porzingis because I think this is the first time they're really seeing that, okay, he's hurt. His brother's getting into the relationship. He's telling him not to play, which I get because he, he tore his meniscus, right? I think it was in his other knee. But which I that's the worst part about all this. It's the other knee. Yeah. So, like, Charlie, as a Knicks fan, like, what are your thoughts on KP and, like, this Dallas team? And, like, wh where, where do you think you see this going? I mean, firstly, like, it couldn't have happened to a worse human being in Porzingis. I mean, <laughs> it would. It went from somebody that I loved <laughs> to somebody that I hated so quickly. And I mean, you so bring quick. up such an interesting, you bring up such an interesting point, right? Like Giannis, his brother is just involved in everything. He yeah. already ruined his relationship with one franchise in the Knicks. Like I really do think Porzingis would have stayed here had Giannis not gotten in his head and just put a lot of negative energy in Kristaps about the whole rebuilding process, the franchise, and everything like that. Then you bring up exactly what happened. He's telling him not to play. And again, he's fragile. He's soft. He's yeah. clearly going to be injured throughout his entire career. Yes, he does have these intangibles that make him a truly great player to watch. Obviously, you get the rim protection, you get the scoring, but at the same time, if you can't put him on the court, what good is he? Dude, I agree. Like, they're already talking about, like, next, like the, the plan for him next year for Dallas, which is, like, not playing back-to-backs, like, only playing, like, 25 minutes a game. And it's kind of like, oh, shit, we're just going around in a circle with this guy. Like, this is exactly what happened in New York when he got hurt. There's minutes restrictions. There's restrictions on when he could play, this and that. And, and that's kind of what boiled over and, like, I think ruined his relationship in New York was when he was hurt, right? Like, 
all these things were starting to come out and like how he didn't want to play or how he didn't want to rehab with these guys or that guys. And again, I th- do think it boils down to his brother and his brother being in his ear. Uh, Easy, what are your thoughts on his brother? Well, first off, I just would like to issue a warning to NBA Twitter. I am going back through all of the people that I fought with two years ago from Dallas who were telling me how it's going to be different <laughs> and poor Zingas is going to be good and he won't get hurt. I am, I am going to tweet at every single one of those jerk-offs and just say, ha, 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 told you. <laughs> Yep. It's going to ha- happen. I called it. I go, enjoy it. He's going to be great. You're going to love it. He's going to dunk it. He's going to block it. Then he'll run down the court, throw down a one-hand dunk. He'll be like, oh, my God. And then he'll be hurt, and he's not going to play, and that's it. And that just might be the story of his career. Um, big guys just don't age well. You know, like – He's uh, still so young. But, I mean, you look at anybody who's, like, that tall – that is like seven one, seven two, seven three, seven. Anybody who's that big right now in the NBA, they're not durable. They yeah. all break down. Even like through history, like Kareem obviously played what 22, 23 years, something like that. But any other big dude, they they come in hot and then they their legs break down. Um, okay, what what did I say when you texted me? Phil Jackson was right. <laughs> I I would have never thought I would have never thought I was saying that, but dude, he was right. We should have traded him two years ago when he had real value, when he could have got like three first round picks for him. Guys, injury prone. And the worst part is Dallas is now capped out pretty much. They're on the hook for like forty six mil just between Tim Hardaway Jr. and KP next year. Which Where I think Dallas. That was part of like that trade, right? Like that, you know, we wanted to get rid of this cap, for, like so we can bring in some big stars. Yep. Which uh, and and yeah, no, I was just gonna say to your point, like about like big men breaking down. It's so true. Like over the course of like you know big men, you know year six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like they start breaking down here and there. But I feel like with him, it started so early and he's breaking down so quickly that like maybe that trade wasn't that terrible now charlie what are your thoughts no i think you bring up a great point too and and i think also too i think it has to do with the way the game is played right you know when you think about the big men of like the 70s 80s and, and even ewing in the 90s right it was back to the basket in the paint and that was pretty much their spacing that they had during the course of the game. Now, due to the faster play, the quicker ball movement, the emphasis on the three-point shot, you've got these seven-foot-tall big men that are now outside from 20 feet shooting three-pointers. And they're also running the court, and they're also doing a lot more from a, a, an activity perspective, per se, than they were maybe 25 years ago. And I think it leaves them more injury prone. And so while they're out maybe cutting to the basket off a dribble or they're out in three-point off a pump fake, they're just leaving themselves way more injury prone, especially with knees, especially with ankles. I just think you're going to see so much of that from the big guys. That's a really great point. I never really thought of it that way. But, like, today's game doesn't really, like, play well for, like, a big man that's got to, like, 
jump out and like guard threes and then cut to the basket and like come around and play help defense. You know, the big guys that like, you know, we grew up loving were like the Shacks and like Hakeem's like they were just plotted in the post. Right. And like they had to make, you know, one or two steps and they were at the rim. So uh, I think that's a really great point. Easy as a, as a big man that, that plays down low, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's, it's tough because I can't really – I can't come at it from my perspective because I'm, I'm in peak physical condition. So <laughs> yeah, <okay>. cutting, stopping <laughs> on a dime, transition plays, things like that, that's just – it's what I train for. So I come into these situations prepared. It's, it's not fair for me to expect the same from a Porzingis, you know. He's shown he's been lazy throughout his career, doesn't put in the time. <laughs> I tried to keep that going as long as I could. Um, Before you start <laughs> laughing. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, you guys have – everyone has to close out on the three-point shot so hard now. You got to stop, cut, this, that. Like, it's tough for these big dudes to do. Um, but, yeah, it's also – I love it. See you, KP. Enjoy rehab, you bum. Go to Lafayette, get punched in the face again in a nightclub. <laughs> you probably will. So easy, like for this series, because you know we talked about KP, but he barely played this series. What are your thoughts on you know? Obviously, the Clippers advance. By the way, before I, I, I sling it to you here, I did also hear that they blamed the kind of Tim Hardaway for that last game loss that they, you know, the series ending loss because he wasn't consistent with his shot. And they actually said that like, he's their most consistent shooter. And like, I started cracking up. I was like, is this the same Tim Hardaway that was on the next <laughs> couple of years ago? Because <laughs> they think he's a consistent shooter. But what are your thoughts on the series? A lot of shit went down, fighting, everything. The series was super entertaining, I thought. Series was entertaining. I think the Clippers should be a little worried that they didn't, like, wipe the floor with the Mavs. Um, the Clippers, like, are made of, like, wings who could defend. And Luka just fucking did whatever he wanted every game. I mean, even in that final game, game six, like, in that third quarter, they caught it to, like, five or six, and then the Clippers yeah. poured it on, and they ended up winning by a bunch. But, like... Dude, undermanned. He's got Boban Marjanovic as this, like, big dude. Like, he was balling. Um, I think this series is going to be what uh, that, that final Mark Jackson Warriors team, when, they, when everyone was like, oh, shit, Steph Curry's good. Klay Thompson could play. Like, and then they got the new coach and they took off. I think that, like, this series for Luka is going to be like, oh, shit, Luka's good, and now he won't lose in the first round again. Like, he's going to take that leap. I like that. I like Charlie, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this series? There's so much to unpack in this series. I mean, firstly, you know, Luka just arose – he just – rose to another level in terms of like his play just what he was bringing to the team facilitating scoring rebounding I mean it was so much fun to watch him I do have to say though you know we brought up a great point earlier with the Mavericks they're really really hamstringed with the cap 
and we basically have Luca with the 2017 Knicks starting roster. <laughs> I mean, at one point I was at one point I was w- waiting for them to roll out like Mendalgus Kuzminskis next off the bench. <laughs> like, was he in the trade somewhere? And I still follow just, him on Instagram. <laughs> and it's just sad to see Luca paired with like. Tim Hardaway and, and Courtney Lee and obviously Porzingis. I mean, the the fighting thing, you know, Morris is such an interesting character. I mean, I actually loved him when he was with the Knicks earlier this season. I really loved, like, the attitude that he brought. I, I thought it was needed, honestly, from the Knicks, especially with some of the young guys who are just coming in the league to sort of learn to hold their own, although I do have to say I, I wouldn't want any of my young guys to, to mimic the career he's had with regards to the text. Um, but just <laughs> dirty play on his part. I mean, I, I thought the just overall on, on Luca, just a, a really bad look and, and just, you know, further sort of cemented his reputation throughout the league. I know Doc, after the game, you know, had a little something to say about him sort of having the call based on his reputation. I mean, it, it is what it is with regards to everything Marcus has done in the league. Um, little worried for the Clippers, obviously, you know, with the Mavericks. You know, I don't think that they expended enough effort in terms of just getting it done quickly and getting some rest, but we'll see. We'll see. I th- yeah, I think both, like, I think the growing sentiment here is that, like, this series was kind of, like, worrying for the Clippers, I feel like. Like, they, I thought oh, yeah. they were going to run right through the Mavs. I thought, you know, Paul George or Kawhi, one of those two guys was going to be, or, you know, Beverly, whenever he was playing, was going to be the guy that shut down Luka. And I guess Luka just proved to us that, like, he is that dude, right? Like, yeah. I think, like, Charlie, if you were starting the team right now, Who's like Luca's got to be like in your top two of people that you would start a team with? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think he's in my top two. And, and I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. It's like, is the Atlanta GM just going to bed <laughs> at night hating himself for trading Trey Young for Luca? Because when you really think about that draft, it was Trey. It was Trey Young or Luca, and Trey Young's yeah. a great scorer, but he's not on the level that Luca is. And and I mean you know I know obviously Atlanta was in more of a of a rebuilding mode, more of a future vision mode at that point in the draft. I mean Dallas was in a in some ways too, but I mean Luca is a hell of a player. He's going to be exciting to watch. Dude, definitely. I, I'm glad that I'm in the market that gets to watch his games like all the time now because this is going to be great. But uh, to Easy's point and like to Charlie, your point too, like. This team is hamstrung. Like, they're talking about, like, trying to get Old Depot this offseason. I, I was listening to the radio. They were talking about that. I'm not sure how – I'm not sure how they pull that off, like, cap-wise. Plus, like, I'm just not sure how they pull that off unless they get rid of, like, Tim Hardaway or, or some other big contract. But, yeah, there's not much depth on this team. And, like, outside like, – you, you saw it, right? Like, outside of Luka – if KP wasn't on the floor, they had nowhere to go. They didn't really have a creator on the floor. I mean, <laughs> Trey Burke was out there. He scored like 25, I think. One Dude, game. he was killing it. <laughs> no. Brought it back to the Michigan days. Unreal. But I think, as we all kind of pointed to, the, the Clippers should be a little worried, you know, going into their next matchup. 
but I think that's a good place to go to uh, what we're going to talk about next, uh, Denver and the Jazz. They're going to game seven. Dude, Charlie, what are your thoughts on this right now? This series is nothing like what I was expecting, especially when we last got up, because I know I said Jamal Murray was such a frustrating player to watch. He may score 50 or five. You never know. I mean, he has turned it on to another level. Game six, everything he was putting up was going in. I mean, Denver is is the momentum is in their favor, uh, especially if Gobert does not get involved with the offense for Utah. I really think he's been sort of absent the last couple of games in terms of like high efficiency offensive production and getting some stuff going on that end. They really got to get him going. It's been a great series. I see the Nuggets edging them out. I see Jamal putting up big numbers again. I think Gary Harris coming back and locking down on on Donovan and really making life difficult for Donovan, I think is going to be huge on the defensive end. I, I really see Denver pulling through in this one. Easy, what are you thinking? I – I mean, I want to say the same thing, but yeah, I mean, I agree. This series has been weird. Um, I, uh, I hate Gobert. I hate Gobert. <laughs> I hate watching Gobert. Like, he, remind, he reminds me of Dwight, like that guy who, like, is really good at defense, but do not call for the ball in the post. I don't know what you think you're going to do. Get out of here. But then, first couple games, he was bitching Jokic out in the post. Like, he had really yeah. good games. But then, I don't know. If they play talent for talent, I think Jokic is way better than Gobert. And I think that's the matchup that has to be won in order for Denver to win game seven. I agree, man. I, I just feel like Denver is like a frustrating team. Uh, like my thoughts were like, dude, this, this team has a chance to go to like the finals. I, I thought they could play with, you know, like the Lakers and the Clippers, like the big dogs. Yeah. But they're having a tough time with the Jazz. And, like, before this last, like, crazy spurt by Jamal Murray, I was like, they don't have, like, a dog on their team. They don't have, like, that dude. Like, Jokic, he's, he's a really good center, but you need, like, that kind of superstar, like, guard, right? Like, in, in today's NBA, yeah. you're going to need that to go anywhere. And, like, somehow, some way, like, he just – he went off. Like, he heard me, and he went off. So, Charlie, what are your thoughts on Jamal Murray and, like, how he's playing right now? One word comes to mind for me, and I think it's versatile, right? I mean, you think about all of the variety of shots that he was hitting in game six. 20-footers from deep, floaters, turnarounds, in the paint. He was hitting everything, facilitating everything. He was hungry. He was everywhere. He's the difference maker for Denver, and and I really see him putting up those big numbers again. You know, I think obviously Donovan's going to bring it. Donovan's hungry too. Donovan wants to go through. Donovan's been putting up big numbers also. They've got four combined 50-point games, I think, in this series, which is a playoff record. Absurd stats. But I I just see the Nuggets pulling this one out in a game seven. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I think the Nuggets are going to pull it out. Easy. Do you think Jamal Murray 
I think he's a star, but do you think he's a superstar right now? So that was going to be my question for you, for you guys. Um, is he untouchable now? Because he's, he's always dangled in trades. They're always like rumored with that next big guard and like, he's one, he, he's a piece, but yeah. I would think going into this, Jokic was untouchable. Is Jamal Murray now untouchable? I guess Kev go first. Yeah. I think you build the team around Jokic and Jamal Murray now. Like, this dude has it. Like, he's showed up when you need him the most. And I think that's, like, all, like, in a superstar guard that you want to build your team around, that's all you can ask for, right? Someone that's going to show up in those big moments when you need the wins, which is exactly what's going on. So, I mean, I, I I would keep him. I think you build around him and Jokic. Charlie, what are you thinking? So for me, I mean, I, I think the level of rising to untouchable, as you said, easy, you know, rising to that star level is consistency, right? I mean, yeah. the consistency has improved this series. I think in the regular season this year, especially, it was wildly inconsistent. So for me, if he consistently produces at this level, then absolutely. I, I think he's a hundred percent a star and, I think for him also, too, being Canadian, it's something that's a little bit different for the NBA, right? It's a little bit of a different flavor. You know, he's he's not your – something you see every day in the NBA, which I think is also good for them, too, in terms of the stars that they're trying to create and, and obviously the image that the NBA is trying to create also, too. That's a great point. And, like, to something that you said before, like – everybody's dropping like 40 and 50 point games now. Like remember when like a double nickel was like something special. I feel like it's just happening on, on like an every night basis. Easy. What do you like? What are your thoughts on that? It's kind of annoying. It's, it's, <laughs> right. it's kind of annoying because like, like you said, it doesn't mean anything anymore. And like all these stats are going to be inflated and all these players that were like incredible for us growing up you're now going to have this second wave and be like, yeah, well, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double. It's like, yeah, but he was a fucking stat hog. And, like, I don't know. Like, there's just I just feel like these things are going to be thrown out of proportion and it's going to become like a, yeah, well, look at his numbers. And it's like, yeah, but every team's putting in 140 a game. Someone has to score 30. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like the, the, the bad team, good stats guy. But, like, yeah. now that's every team. No, it, it's true. And, I mean, that's today's NBA, right? Everyone's looking to just shoot threes and score more points. But you brought up an interesting name there, Russell Westbrook. I think, Charlie, you said he's coming back this next game. It, the series is tight. I mean, the Rockets can close it out. Charlie, what are you thinking about this series in a whole and who moves on? Yeah, so Russ is – we're actually watching it right now. Russ is starting. He's back. You know, for me, the Rockets are – they're a team that has so much potential, yet I feel like they've climaxed at the same time. And I really feel like their window was 2017 when they were playing the Warriors, and they really were were sort of at that cusp. This team for me is just not a team that is going to win a title. And I'm just, I'm comfortable saying that. I'm comfortable in making that call. I do think they're going to advance to this series. 
An issue for me, though, is when I see Houston play a team like the Lakers. Houston plays small ball. They love it. What's going to happen when they've got a matchup with AD or even a matchup with JaVale or a matchup with Dwight coming in off the bench in those two scenarios? It's going to be interesting to see how they handle some size in some of the later rounds, especially against a team like the Lakers. But again, like I just don't see this Rockets team winning a title. Easy, what are you thinking on this team and the series? Um, I, dude, I'm rooting for Houston. <laughs> oh god! But then I watch them, and I'm like, I fucking hate Houston. But yeah. like, it's just the idea of it is is interesting, and it's like it it, it would be cool if they went far and pushed this whole s- small ball experiment. Um, I do think it's a funny thing that whenever they always play a team with size because everyone's bigger than them, but they, they, they trick the other team into like dumping it into their big guy in the post, like a Steven Adams, where you're like, oh, he's just so big he's going to score every time because they're 6'6". Six, six. But he doesn't have any post moves. So it always yeah. ends up missing, and then the Rockets come down and shoot a three, and then they're up 10. Like it's like – Whoa, like they make the teams play small, you know, instead of like teams making them play big. Um, Yeah. So that I think is interesting. And then one other like little funny thing that I I thought was hysterical. (laughs) Tyson Chandler's on this team. (laughs) Did you know Tyson? But yo, do you know what's so funny? Tyson Chandler's on the team and he's the only seven footer. He's the only big guy they have. But he doesn't even take his nose ring out for the game because he knows he, he knows he's not even playing. So he's just like, wow. yeah, I'm big. I'm the big guy, but doesn't even fucking think he's playing. He's, he's going in. That's funny. I had no idea he was still in the NBA. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, for me, I go back and forth on the Houston Rockets. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's like gimmicky. It's like fun to watch they're just draining threes and then like sometimes i'm just like this is kind of boring like their whole thing is like they're gonna try to beat teams with speed right like they're gonna go with the small ball lineup and like charlie to your point like what's gonna happen when you have superstar anthony davis that can run with you he can dribble with you he can swat anything like that's a whole new ball game you don't have anyone to guard him Whoever, like, if they do move on, I actually think this is going to go seven because I actually like the when OKC goes small because then you have, like, Schroeder um, and then you have Chris Paul and you have, like, Gallo kind of in, like, that four or five spot, which is, like, kind of funny to watch him there. But, like, he can play there because they're going small. I think it's, I think OKC is an interesting team, but I do think – Houston moves on. I don't see them moving past the next round, which is like my next question to you guys is like, Charlie, what do you like James Harden, right? Like he's always talked about, but do you see him as like, in your eyes, do you see him as like a winner? Quote unquote. I do see him as a winner. I just wonder if Mike D'Antoni is the coach to get him to be that winner. I just feel like sometimes Mike and his laissez-faire attitude probably works when it comes to players and management and how they're handled. 
But sometimes I just feel like he does James a disservice and is lacking in some of the play calling and ways that he can get James and some of the other offense going in terms of this team. I think that James can be a superstar on this team and can get to the next level, but I think they've got to get rid of Mike. I really do. I think he's the weak link on this team, honestly. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, Easy, what are your thoughts on Harden? Harden's a fucking bum. (laughs) No, he's not a bum. (laughs) But what kills me is he's just had too many playoff flameouts. He's had, like, there's been too many times where he's been a part of 0 for 27 when they could have clinched. Or what was it? Uh, Two years ago when – or was it last year? When uh, Durant's out, someone else was out. It was just like Curry, and there was an undermanned Warriors team. And the Warriors still beat him in, like, five games. Like – yeah. It's just he's had too many times. Or remember that time versus the Clippers when the Rockets were down 30 and they benched the starters, and then the second unit came back and won the game for him? Like, there's too many times where Harden has been a part of, like, bad showings in the playoffs for me to be like, no, no, this this dude's a star. He's a winner. I mean, he – I think that's the thing. Like, he is a star, right? He's this superstar. But to your point, I, I, he, I don't classify him as a winner. Like, he's surrounded – I guess I, I shouldn't even say that about the – well, no, he has Russ right now. He's surrounded by good teams that make the playoffs but just can't make it over that hump. I classify a winner, at least someone that can lead their team, like when they're having, like, adversity, like past, you know, let's say an undermanned Warriors team. So I kind of don't put him in that light. And I honestly don't know of a coach that can, like, that would come in here and, like, flip his world upside down and turn him into, like, you know, this guy that's going to take his team to the next level. I also don't see a team with him and Russell Westbrook on the same team going anywhere. Charlie, what are your thoughts on, like, them two as, like, the chemistry-wise and playing together? Yeah, no, great points, Kev. I think two things there. You know, regarding the coach, I I think if Mike is gone, it's got to be a coach that emphasizes to James the the defensive aspect of it in terms of the playoffs and what it takes to win. Because Easy brought up a great point, right? Like, you know, he really really disappeared in a lot of the playoff games. But what can you make up for if you're disappearing on an off-shooting night? It's playing some lockdown defense. I think we all three know that James Harden and lockdown defense have never been associated with one another. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's something like that that's going to take him to the next level and make him that complete player and, and sort of get him to, I think, where he wants to go. You know, with regards to the whole Russ experiment, you know, I mean, kudos to Daryl for, like, thinking outside of the box. I think Daryl has always sort of thought outside of the box, and I think – you know, obviously so many GMs now in, in really all sports are mimicking what Daryl's doing with analytics and, and data-driven decision. And obviously Daryl was ahead of the curve when it came to the three-point shot and, and the analytics of that and what it takes to win basketball games. But it sort of reminds me of what the Pelicans did when they had Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. It's like two superstars who are together, but like 
are an odd couple and probably shouldn't be together. You know what I mean? It just doesn't yeah. fit. I think that this is probably ultimately going to be a failed experiment. Experiment. The issue is that Russ's contract is horrendous for the next yeah. couple of years. I mean, I think he's due close to a hundred million over the next two years of his contract. So again, it's what team is going to want to facilitate a trade, a trade for Russ. And I think also, you know, easy to your point, even earlier, you know, talking about Russ and, and averaging a triple double, it's like, it's great if Russ is averaging a triple double, but like, didn't both of those teams when he did that for Oklahoma city lose in the first round of the playoffs? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So like, I, what's the even point? It's like, great. Russ averaged a triple double and got MVP. And he was in Bora Bora by April 25th. You know, it's just, it just it doesn't it doesn't really negate the fact of what his postseason history has has shown. And again, I you know, kudos to Daryl for trying to put pieces around James to take them to the next level. But even with the Warriors in a lottery situation, they're not going to get to the finals, and that's just. I mean, they've really got to have – that organization has some serious decisions to, to think about. Yeah, I definitely agree with, like, everything that you guys said. And, like, a great point with, like, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins because, like, I, I, I didn't think it, but, like, once you said that, I was like, shit, like, it's the same thing, right? Like, it's two guys that you, you don't want to put in the same lineup together. It's almost like Ben Simmons and Embiid, right? Like yeah, that yeah. kind of same thing there. And like, maybe if they do switch coaches, maybe those two teams sync up on a trade or something, but who knows? I mean, it would be good to like try, but like, I don't think you, to your point, like Westbrook's contracts, all those contracts would be huge enough in that trade, but I don't think any of those players make sense playing with each other. But, uh, you know, moving on, I mean, the Lakers, they took out our boy Mello, which I'm, Still kind of hurting about, but I mean, once Lillard, you know, wasn't playing and he was hurt, you could kind of saw the writing on the wall. Lakers kind of took over. Anthony Davis was Anthony Davis. Easy. What are your thoughts on this Lakers team moving forward? Yeah, they, dude. This was this was all over before it even started. Um, Portland was able to sneak out game one. It made everyone get a little scared for a second. And then it was like, all right, I'm fucking LeBron fucking James. Like, (laughs) I got got Carmelo Anthony guarding me in the year 2020. Now, fuck out of my face. Like, (laughs) dude, his numbers that he averaged just this year, uh, this series were, like, absurd. Yeah. Um, Like, shooting, like, 60% from the field, over 40% from three. Like, crazy numbers. Um, But, uh... Let's see. I'm curious. I'm looking forward to a uh, Lakers-Rockets series. Um, I think – I don't want to get a little too, like ahead of myself. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a Lakers-Rockets series. It should be fun. Charlie, what are you thinking on, on the Lakers moving forward here? Yeah, so, I mean, the Blazers – you know, I actually thought the Blazers were going to win more than one game in that series, but easy, you're exactly right. I mean, LeBron James just 
kicked it up into another gear. He blacks out on social media, and then it's just in another dimension of playoff LeBron, especially in the bubble. Um, you know, I like the Lakers moving forward. The Lakers Rockets, I think, is a super interesting series, you know, for obviously the reasons we just outlined, you know, small ball, perhaps AD and, and sort of creating a matchup issue there. I also think, too, that, you know, the, the matchup issue with perhaps the Lakers and the Clippers is another one that's pretty interesting. Thinking like, you know, who's guarding LeBron? Who's guarding AD? Who's guarding PG, who's guarding Kawhi, and then obviously the the bench that the Clippers have and and how the Lakers handle that, because let's be honest, you know, they don't have a ton of great defenders outside of LeBron and AD, Um, so understanding how they're going to handle Lou Williams, obviously Marcus Morris, obviously Montrezl Harrell, and and who they have, you know, that's that's an interesting matchup for me, too. Um, but I do like the Lakers moving forward. I, I think they've got a good thing going with LeBron in the mode that he's in. Yeah, I mean, it, it's playoff LeBron. And, like, this is, like, why you get AD, right? Like, he is the perfect complement to LeBron right now. I mean, when both of those guys are scoring almost 40 points a game and almost averaging a triple-double, it's kind of crazy. Like, how do you compete with that? But I will say, like – I don't like the rest of the roster for, for the Thank Lakers. You. Dude, I was I just, just going to say say this. I was yeah. just going to say, keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm just, I don't like it. And like going into this whole thing, I was like, all right, we're going to get Lakers, Clippers, Western Conference Finals, no matter what. And now I'm kind of like both teams, like I know the Lakers kind of steamrolled Portland, but I'm not like watching them play. I'm not really thinking like, oh, wow, this is like, a championship team here. Like, I don't see anyone else really stepping up besides LeBron and AD. And then, like, we're saying that the Clippers are kind of like – they were kind of exposed by the Mavs. Like, maybe they aren't as good as, like, maybe they were if we didn't have, like, you know, a two-month break or something like that. But, yeah, I think it's interesting, man. I think the Lake – like, it is playoff LeBron. He's taken worse teams to the finals, right? So uh, I, I do. That think is that true. They, think of those Cavs teams. Freaking Wally Zerbiak, Ilgowskis. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it, Charlie, who's your favorite player from those old Cavs teams besides, like, LeBron? You know, I'm trying to think. I mean, for, for, for news purposes alone, Delonte West provided yeah. a lot of humor. <laughs> Thank you. you know, I yeah, think, that's who I, I was going to say. I think I think a year ago he was maybe in the middle of the LA freeway beat, getting beat up by somebody <laughs> like begging for change or something like it is a crazy fall from grace. You know, Sanders and Verjal for some reason is another one that I vividly remember from some of those Cavalier teams back in the yeah. day. A lot of people forget that he went to the finals in 07 against the Spurs with that team and they were just vastly overmatched by that Spurs team. I think they got swept actually. But, you know, very interesting time period for LeBron. <laughs> so, for sure, question. Who, yeah. Who's the Lakers five? Crunch time. You have to you, like, you have to win. Who's the five guys you're putting out on the Lakers? Because after the top two, it's really not impressive. I mean, before we get into that, I do have to say Delonte West was not on the, on the L.A. freeway. He was actually in Dallas, and I could have sworn – 
I looked at Shivani one day and we were on a highway, like stopped at like right before we were about to get on a highway actually. And I looked at her, I was like, holy shit, I think that's Delonte West. And then like two weeks later, you see all these reports of like Delonte West being in Dallas on this highway. Like people are trying to help him out. And I was like, holy shit. Like that was Delonte fucking West. What a fall from grace. That was the same highway? Uh, I think it was, it, it was definitely in Dallas. I'm not sure if it was the same one, though. Wow. That's I'm, sure, I'm sure he moved around a little bit, right? He's athletic. Yeah, I guess. you got to be mobile, right? But uh, honestly, I think I'm going, you know, obviously besides LeBron and AD, like crunch time, like that's tough. Like you got to go Danny Green, right? Because he's, yeah. he's clutch. Do you go Caruso? I feel like he's pretty good defensively. Like, if you need a stop, uh, if he's guarding, like, a point guard or something. But, damn, that that's tough. I, I'd have to think about that a little bit more. Charlie, who are you going with? I mean, we're obviously going LeBron. We're obviously going AD. I mean, I'm with you, Kev, on Danny Green. As long as his three is cooking, if he's not cooking on the three from the corner – he's pretty much worthless because he's not going to give you a lot. But it's funny. I was just going down their roster and I'm just looking at these players and I'm just going (laughs) Avery Badley. No. Jared Dudley. No. Dwight Howard. No. Rondo. No. Dion Waiters. No. (laughs) J.R. Smith. No. And it leaves me with not many people like who I got to throw out there. Quinn Cook. I mean, it's a little sad, actually, when you really think about it, what LeBron has to work with. I mean, I guess I would go Danny so he can cook the three. You know, I'll take KCP, and then I'll take Kuzma. (laughs) All right. But you're right. And I'm just taking that random five. No one's happy with that five. Agreed. You know, and that's kind of why you know I'm thinking like, is that enough? What do you think, Easy? Dude, I hate Kuzma. I hate Kuzma. Whoever told him that he would be a star on a different team, dude, you are a chucker. Yeah. Comes in, the ball touches his fingers and he throws it at the hoop. Doesn't even look like I fucking hate Kyle Kuzma. Um. I don't know. They're a weird team. They're a weird team. I think when you play Denver, I mean, uh, when you play Portland and Melo's guarding you and Lillard's hurt and Zach Collins is out and they're playing fucking Herzonia, like, I think LeBron's going to look superhuman. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see how they look in the second round and moving forward. Yeah, dude, I I definitely agree. And, like, Going back to Kuzma, like, how much do you think the Lakers were like, I can't believe we traded Brandon Ingram in that trade. Like, I wish we just would have given him Kuzma. Because, like, Brandon Ingram's a stud. Like, he's gotten so much better, and he's a dookie, so you know I love that. But, (laughs) Charlie, what you know, just – I know we're off topic a little bit, but I thought that trade was really interesting how, like, they were battling over if they should give up Ingram or Kuzma. What are your thoughts on, like, Ingram and, like, that whole trade scenario? No, Kev, great point. In fact, uh, Ingram just today won most improved player for the NBA for this season. He was top of his career, I think, in points, 
three points, field goal percentage, I think at least five categories he was top of his career in. I totally agree. I mean, Brandon Ingram's his stud. I mean, I, I do like that Pelicans team. I think Zion is going to be interesting. I know we're totally off topic. I, you know, I think Zion's <laughs> going to be a little interesting there in sort of seeing how they how they all sort of fit in and obviously Lonzo being there too and sort of, I guess, yeah. really seeing Lonzo come to fruition and, and what he is versus what we heard he was going to be when he was coming out of UCLA. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like Kuzma was even getting bantered around for like the Knicks a couple of years ago at the trade deadline. <laughs> like, I feel like that was in play at some point in time. I don't know. I feel like the Knicks are always in play for third tier stars on teams. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's, it's funny how uh, that trade has worked out. And, and obviously, Brandon really coming into his own. Yeah, the sky's the limit for him. The only thing I wonder about him is, you know, I know he still hasn't put on any size. Like, what does that potentially yeah. do? He's had some injuries, you know, as we were chatting earlier with the with the big men scenario. Like, does that is that a disadvantage for him moving forward in his career? It's true. That's a great point. Like, and, like, easy. I guess I'm going to flip it to you here on this question. But, like, Ingram kind of – I'm, I'm probably going to get blasted for saying this, but he kind of reminds me of, like, KD a little bit. I know he's not KD, but, like, he's, like, taking that arc kind of, right? Like, he's playing so much better. This year was a huge year for him. He was hitting threes. He was getting a bucket anytime he wanted to. And he does have that same kind of body type. Easy, what are you thinking, like, on that comparison? I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's a common comparison. Um, I don't agree with it at all, but um... – <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But, like, uh, I, I mean, it's tough. Let's see you do it. Let's see you do it on a team that's in the playoffs. Let's yeah. let's see what's going on here. I mean, I know it took KD a little while to get where he was, but he also was winning scoring titles and was, like, a clear, holy shit type player. Um, yeah. Let's see what Ingram does, though. He does have that body type. He's going to get big m- money. So now's the real test. I always say, whenever a guy gets a max deal, it's like, all right, is he is he comfy, or is he still hungry? Because I know I get this, comfy. Yeah, is this? I is, would get real big. comfy. You kidding me? Hundred <laughs> plus million? Yeah, I'm not showing up today, guys. <laughs> is this his contract year? Like, is he a free agent after this year? Yeah. Charlie, what do you think? Nick's offer sheet or what? You know, it's interesting with the Pels. You know, they got David Griffin down there running basketball operations. You know, I've never known David to lavishly gift out hefty contracts or hefty extensions. You know, I I would definitely look at Brandon. You know, I just wonder, though, too, you know, does he impede on the development, obviously, of somebody like Knox, you know, in terms of taking away those minutes, although – it can be said that we don't need to see any more of those minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to agree there. Yeah. Once you said, I thought you were going to say RJ for a second. Then you said Kevin Knox. I'm like, all right, we could throw that one out the window because I think we've seen enough. But um, I think Knox will be driving Uber by the time Ingram signs his deal. <laughs> Knox driving Uber, Frankie back in France. It just ah. the, the experiments are over, but um. All right, so let's flip it to, like, a, like, an East Coast team that's actually good. 
Um, Easy, what are your thoughts on Boston and Toronto? I know Boston took game one pretty easily, too. But what are your thoughts on that series and those teams? It's a tough matchup. And you're seeing yeah. you're seeing life without Kawhi. Yeah. You know, like they they didn't really have that dude that they could just dump it to to get a bucket when they were like, all right, we're down eight. Like, you know, when, like, teams are down, uh, like, points, but then you know, like, if a couple threes, they're, like, momentum shot and it's a whole run and you, yeah. need, then you need a bucket here. And they didn't have that dude. Um, Siakam's good. He had an off game. Van Fleet had an off game. Lowry had an off game. Um, I don't know. That's their whole squad. So, like, <laughs> when all those guys aren't shooting well, it's, there's no way they could hang. No, that yeah, I agree, Charlie. What are your what are your thoughts there? Yeah, my first thought after the Celtics won Game One was, you know, how bad do the Raptors regret that DeRozan trade? You know, obviously I know they won the title, but let's be completely honest, they really won the title because both KD and Clay were hurt last year. That's really sure. why they won the title. So to me, I feel like they came out on top of the DeMar DeRozan trade, but at the same time, they didn't because now you're starting to see those gaps of what happens when you don't have that second star. They don't have Kawhi anymore, obviously. Of course, they don't have DeRozan, who, easy to your point, was that guy you could dump it off to when you were down by eight to give you that bucket or those clutch couple of threes. You know, for me, there's still – not quite there in terms of being able to to overtake Boston in this series. Tatum's playing a hell of a game. He's playing a hell of great basketball right now. I really like what he's doing. I don't like the fact that Marcus Smart is basically your starting in your starting five. I'd rather him come off the bench, but Kemba's a hell of a player too. I like Kemba's attitude and his swagger in the series. So for me right now, Boston's on top. Toronto's got some uphill climbing to do to, to get there. That's how I see it right now. Yeah, I, yeah. Toronto's in a tough spot here. Um, you know, to, to both of your guys' points, every team needs that guy, right? Like when you're getting, you know, they're, the other team's up eight, then they score a bucket, you're down ten now. Now it's going to turn into this big run. You need that guy that, you know, is like, all right, give me the fucking ball. I'm getting you a bucket right now, and we're going to start the run the other way. You know, like, we're going to play good defense. Just keep giving me the ball. I'll get us back into, like, striking distance. They don't – I don't feel like they have that. I don't think Siakam's that guy right now. He's good. He's gotten so much better. But, like, he's not Kawhi. He's not, like, one of those guys that you can give the ball to and, like, can create his own shot at will. So, I think they're in trouble there because – and like I think on the last uh, episode, I was like kind of iffy on Boston, but like like Tatum, Jason Tatum is that dude. I know he's not a superstar, but dude can get a bucket anytime he wants. Man, he's got so many moves. Um, Jalen Brown, who like kind of like is like kind of that Robin to Tatum's Batman right now, and then you have like Kemba Walker too, and Marcus Smart. You have these other guys. Like, they have just a crazy amount of talent for like their guard play. I actually think that Austin might kind of win this kind of easily after watching game one, 
it might be an overreaction to what's going on, but I don't know. It, they're tough to stop. Plus, I don't think Toronto has that dude that, that can, like, and to your guys' point, that can kind of sway runs and, like, can get buckets at that level. But, uh, Charlie, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Siakam? Because I know, like, he's, he's pretty much going to have to be that dude for Toronto. No, he's going to have to be that dude. I mean, last year in the postseason, he was huge, just stepped up massively for them. He's going to have to do that again this year. You know, as you said, I, you know, Fred Van Fleet has got to get it going also, too. He's got to be on sure. point. He's got to be shooting the three well, which I think is also a key to, to the Raptors' success and was a huge key to their success last year when they were playing the Warriors in the finals was kicking out and getting Van Fleet to that three. You know, they, they've got to get – also, too, you know, they've got to get, I think, Gasol involved a little bit in the offense, too. Let him get some of those step-out threes when he's in off the bench – try and get some of that production there. They're going to need all of it against Boston. You know, also too, you know, I know we've been talking about 50 point performances, but Kemba is, is ready and willing to drop another one at any given time also too. So you've got to account for the fact that Kemba can drop 50. You've got Tatum coming at you. You've got Jalen Brown. You've got Marcus Smart. You've got just so much talent. And our boy Canner. Let's not forget our favorite <laughs> Nick in his cancer. Yeah. yeah. Can't play Canner. <laughs> he, he is, you know, he's that matchup nightmare kind of guy, right? Like, he's so good in the post, but then, like, anything he does defensively will probably harm your team. So, uh, but one thing, you know, Easy, I want to kind of ask you, because, like, I was actually thinking about this. Like, you have like two of the top coaches in the NBA going up against each other right now in uh, yeah. Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens. Like, I kind of feel like if Nick Nurse is supposed to be this, like, you know, he did, I think he did win coach of the year, but that he's going to somehow like develop a strategy to get this team back in the game. Like, what are your thoughts on those two coaches? Oh, you're right. Hey, Nick, this is your time. Take your dick out. Put it on the tip on the table. This is uh, let's see what you got. You know, like you you're an undermanned team against going against like better talent. They're a deeper team. They're better at the top. Like let's see what you got, Nick. You gotta have but, that game plan. But how is Nick? How is I just can't get over. It. How are the Celtics always good? They're just always man. good, man. Every year they're always good. It's so annoying. <laughs> Well, they're a, they're a well-run franchise. So, I mean, like, Charlie, what are your thoughts on, on, like, the Celtics and, like, how they consistently are just good? Two words of why the Celtics are good. Billy King. That is the <laughs> only reason why the Celtics are good. <laughs> he, got fleeced, he got fleeced with an old Kevin Garnett and an old Paul Pierce for practically all of the Nets' entire future. No, I mean, they're a well-run franchise. I mean, Danny knows what he's doing. You know, they've got top-notch facilities over there, too. You know, it, it is so frustrating, obviously, too, being a Knicks fan and, and seeing how quickly they were not good to became good after that 2008 title, you know, they sort of stripped everything down and, and completely rebuilt, rebuilt it back up and 
have done a really good job. You know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the situation that they have moving forward. Obviously, you've got Jalen Brown there. You've got Jason Tatum there. You know, eventually guys have to get paid. You know, do they move somebody? Do they package assets they have to acquire somebody? It'll be interesting to see what they do. And I, I always feel like, too, they're movers and shakers at the trade deadline as well, which is going to be interesting this upcoming season. That's true. Are they both up at the same time? Or it's one year apart, right? One year apart. Yeah. I think Jalen's first, right? Jalen and then, yeah, Jalen and then Jason Tatum. Yeah, I'd give, I'd give them both max money. I, I would, too. <clears throat> it, it's tough to find good wing players like that, man. Both of them are so good and so young. And yeah. they kind of bring something different, too. Um, one guy I wanted to mention who I think gets kind of, like, lost in the shuffle for Toronto is Kyle Lowry. Like, I don't – like, I've, I've never been a huge fan of him. But, like, the dude's good. Like, it, last playoffs, like, he was a stud. Like, I know Kawhi was that dude, but he needed Kyle Lowry in a lot of those games. How important do you think it is for Toronto to get him going? Easy, what do you think in there? Um, I mean, they have to. And they got to do it now because, yo, I was just going to say, Kyle Lowry's old, man. Yo, he's older than us. How old is he? He's like 34, 35, I think 34. Dude, he's old, and he's making like 30, 30 30-plus mil a year. Like, they got to do something now. (laughs) There's not much time left for Kyle Lowry, and the way he takes charges every – he's on the ground every play. (laughs) That's true. uh, Yeah, they got to get him going. Um, I like – it's funny because, like – Remember, what was it, 2016 or something, when the Knicks were going to get Kyle Lowry, and you're like, who the fuck is Kyle Lowry? Like, we're giving up (laughs) two first-round picks for Kyle Lowry? And then you fast-forward, like, five years, and he's an NBA champion and, like, one one of the better players. Yeah, all-star on the team, whatever. Yo, the dude could ball. Like, they got to get him going game two. It's really the only shot they have, him and Van Vliet bombing away from three. Dude. I think if the Knicks would have made that trade, we just would have seen Raymond Felton 2.0. Charlie, what are you, what, what are you thinking of Kyle Larry? I'm thinking first off as a 34-year-old, I'm feeling really bad. I'm feeling really <laughs> old after hearing you two guys talk. Damn, man, no love no, for the 34-year-olds. Uh, we're, we're in, no, we're in I, our Patrick Ewing year. We'll, we're, we'll be there in a year. <laughs> no, I, I mean, look – I think I think Kyle Lowry is a Robin. He's not a Batman, right? You know, I think he is a great second option. He's that great second person in a big three. I don't think he's the main guy. I don't think he's that dude that's going to just single-handedly will you through to the finals without a lot of support from his supporting cast and a lot of production from everybody that he has. You know, for me, you know, Kyle's a a great player, but I don't see him, for me, being that memorable of a player, if that makes sense. That's fair. Yeah, no, I think that that definitely makes a ton of sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like what's his defining play? 
That's a good. I, well, what? Yeah, I think well, it was one of the games in the finals where like he just went off. I forgot what game it was, but you're like, holy shit! Like Kyle Lowry was just hitting every shot, every three, and like you kind of just kept saying like Mike Lowry from Bad Boys, but. <laughs> But uh, what do you guys say we kind of end this off with a little Miami and the Bucks? Because not gonna just toot my own horn here, but the Heat took the first game, well on their way to the championship. So we'll just see. But Charlie, what are you thinking on this series? Yeah, so this series is is I think probably gonna be one of the best series of the postseason. I, I love Miami. I love Jimmy going against Giannis. You know, again, I know we've talked about some of the the Bucks, you know, issues and, and obviously, too, their rotation and, and who they have coming in and out for them. You know, I see this going six, maybe even seven. I, I really like Miami in this series. I could see Miami potentially moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals through Milwaukee. Also, too, you know, I think Miami is just, a really good example of what a great organization that that keeps to what they do well. You know, Pat has a really great organizational attitude and structure. I think Spolstra is a really good coach. They've maintained a lot of continuity, which I think is important. You know, obviously, you know, cultivating an environment that attracted a guy like LeBron too, which which shows you and it's a testament to that. So, you know, I think they're an exciting organization too. You know, Bam Adebayo is an exciting player. I think he can be a difference maker in this series, too. He was second in the uh, most improved player behind Brandon Ingram in that voting. So, you know, the series is exciting. Giannis is, you know, again, such an exciting player, but it just depends what kind of help he gets from that supporting cast. Yeah, I, I think you make a great point with the Heat. Like, I know when they were the Heatles, like, it wasn't a lot of, like, their own guys. But right now, like, they're developing these players like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and, and Bam, right? Like, that dude, he, he's legit. Like, he is a legit big man that can play in today's NBA. But, uh, you know, Easy, what are you thinking on this series, man? Dude, I, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of want to go – with you guys like I want to go against the grain but it's tough because you have the heat playing well everyone bought in and they're like a well-constructed team and then you just have like is this another typical coach bud flame out put up 60 wins and then you just flame out in the playoffs but uh I I don't want to be a hater but I kind of want Giannis to lose because he gets just too much love. I want people to start hating him. Get angry. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he needs that LeBron hate. Can he do it? Is, is Giannis really a star? He won two MVPs. Can he lead a team to the finals? Like, I want those narratives. Everyone always loves him. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the place where we're getting to, right? Like, and I think you're yeah. 100% right about Coach Bud. Like, it's just Atlanta Hawks 2.0. Like, they're going to win all these games. They're not going to move on. But, uh, yeah, it's a good point about Giannis. I, like, for me, I definitely think that, like, one of the biggest, like, keys to this series is, like, who to stop Giannis. And that's Bam, man. Like, he can guard anyone on the court. Dude's so athletic. But yeah. uh, 
you know, Charlie, what are your thoughts on Giannis? And like, do, do you see this going like seven? I know you said you think it's going seven, but I think it's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a great matchup. I, I know the Heat, I think, actually just wrapped up a game one victory. So they've already kicked off a, a, a one game lead. You know, easy, right? Right to what you said earlier, right? You know, Giannis is such a, a, a to me, a frustrating player to watch at times. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily all the way pretty all the time. And also, too, you know, like when I'm flipping around on a cold January or February night on, on league pass, Milwaukee is just not a team that I'm tuning into. And it's just, I'm just not, I'm not finding myself gravitating towards Milwaukee games because I really want to watch how they play basketball. You know, there's a style, whether I'm watching the Rockets, I know what, what Harden's going to do, whether even with the Warriors, I know what the Warriors are going to do. You know, there's certain styles that I can look for, you know, on the basketball court, but like, what is their style? And then it just doesn't attract me to watch them on any sort of regular basis. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that this Bucks team does any real damage in the playoffs until Giannis learns how to consistently knock down an outside shot. I think that's just how it's going to be. I mean, the the one person that I don't think we've talked about yet is our boy Jimmy Butler. Like playoff Jimmy Butler in here. That like we were talking about a dude that can just get a bucket. That's him, man. Miami has that guy, that old vet. He's so good defensively, but he can also get you a bucket whenever he wants. Easy, what are your thoughts about Jimmy Butler? It's kind of getting to that point with him too. Like I got to keep hearing about playoff Jimmy and all the things he's done. Lose on the Bulls, lose on the Wolves, lose on the Sixers. Um, Okay. Let's go here, Jimmy. You're getting up there. Come on. You finally got a team? I don't know. I want to see it. Um, He does always show up, and you can't really say a lot of the times those playoff losses have been – like because of him, especially on those Sixers teams, he was the one really kind of going back and forth with Kawhi. So you hope that this is one of those Butler versus Giannis like duels. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like how it's kind of both teams. It's like okay, let's see what you got. Yeah, man, Charlie, what do you what are you thinking on Jimmy Butler? Because easy, you make a great point, man. I'm giving Giannis shit. But same thing with Jimmy Butler. Like, what have you done? Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, also, too, though, you know, I think Jimmy would probably take the ranking for, like, maybe the number one guy would want to just grab beers and hang out with (laughs) on a weekend night. That guy just, like, seems, like, really fucking cool and laid back. No, I mean, you know, you do bring up a good point, like, whether it was Chicago, whether it was Philly, and – Truthfully, when I thought he was in Philly with with Harris and and Embiid and all those guys, you know, I, I thought that was the team to beat in the East. Uh, yeah. Seriously, you know, I I thought they were going to go to the finals. You know, so I understand his track record. You know, Chicago, Minnesota, obviously. You know, even though him and Tibbs together did get Minnesota back into the playoffs that one year after that long drought. You know, it is sort of a what have you done for me lately type of league with regards to respect. You know, I do think Jimmy 
by by taking down a team like the Bucks would sort of not cement his legacy, but I, I think it's sort of another notch on his belt in a more serious way towards towards respectability and, and sort of what he can do and what he can bring to a team. But look, you know, I, I follow the Heat a lot and, and I know they were in on Gordon Hayward in free agency a few years ago and that ultimately didn't work out. And when they were chasing Jimmy, I was sort of questionable as to like what they were thinking, what they would do and sort of how that would fit in. But, you know, kudos again to Pat Riley for, for having the vision of, of what he was laying out because when you think about what he's brought to that team and also too, like, let's not forget about Goran Dragic. You know, Goran is one of the hardest players in the NBA. That guy, broken nose, will still be your point guard in the fourth quarter with three minutes left. And, you know, he's had a hell of a playoff series, too, in the bubble. So, you know, let's let's definitely give it up for Goran, too, because, you know, when they traded for him, they didn't have a ton of of assets there, and Dwayne was kind of on the, the outskirts of his career. So it's definitely interesting. For That's sure. a good point. It's funny to watch him like turn into that off the bench backup point guard for them. Well, so that's the thing. Like I was going to, so my first point there is like about Jimmy Butler is, is there like any other guy that you'd want to put on a young team other than Jimmy Butler? Like perfect guy to do it. Like he's a guy that's going to get in your face. He's going to tell you how it is. He's going to show you how to play the right way. And that's all you could really ask for as a coach and as an organization, especially with so many young players. But one of those young players was a guy that's probably up for rookie of the year that's not playing for Miami. And that's, I think his first, it's Kendrick Nunn, right? Is that his first name? Yeah, Kendrick Nunn. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on him? And, like, he's not getting, like, any time there. I'm not sure if he played tonight, but they're really not playing him. Easy, what are you thinking there? Um... Dude, the playoffs are different, man. Yeah. You start with Michael Porter Jr. or look at like Bowl Bowl. Everyone loved Bowl Bowl for like three days, and then he <laughs> never got off the bench when the games mattered. Yeah. Um, some dudes, yeah, some dudes can't hack it when it gets tough. I think it's funny that Hero's been playing, and Hero's like good. Hero came in good, like, and he has confidence, and like, it's crazy. Like, you you know right away when a young player comes in and has that like deer in headlights look or comes in and swishes their first three, you're like, Oh shit. Okay. Just keeps chalking them. Right. Yeah. You're like, all right. Charlie, what are you thinking about the young dudes on Miami? No, you, you bring up a great point. And, and I remember back to the draft last year, you know, the heat picking Tyler hero and they actually got a ton of shit for it. A lot of pundits and draft experts were like, what is Miami doing? Why are they drafting this kid? He's small. You know, he, he wasn't what they were, you know, truly looking for is, is what a lot of the guys were saying. But you, in reality, he's actually come on phenomenally well. And the kid can shoot. And, you know, I'm so tired of, like, this size argument always being being leveled, especially like in today's NBA. I mean, you look, I feel like Steph Curry has disposed every single one of those myths with regards to size and like what anybody can do in, in today's NBA in today's game. You know, so for me, you know, also too, Duncan Robinson is, has been, you know, pretty, pretty solid for the heat also, but Kendrick is a hell of a player 
Not sure why he's not getting a ton of runs out there right now. You know, the Heat would definitely benefit from bringing him on, especially in game two, because after Milwaukee's lost game one, they're definitely going to be turning it up a notch to, to not fall down to, to – uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea for Spolstra to, like, hey, let's play a Nunn a little bit. Let's switch things up. I'm sure they're game planning for more Drogic. Why not put Nunn in there? But, you know, I was actually reading about it, and, like, apparently Spolstra's got something against him, and I think it's, like, on the defensive end of the floor. I don't think he gets after it. And, like, easy, that's a great point. Like, you're kind of seeing it with Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull. Like, you know, playoff basketball is different. You're going to have to play both ends of the floor, and you're going to have to play hard. So uh, that's a good point. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why he's not playing right now. But so easy. What do you think in this series? How many games? Who's moving forward? Um. Yeah, I, I, I'm sticking with it. Like a part of me wanted to go against you too and be like, I'm going Bucks, but I just like I, I, I like that the Heat have they have just guys. They have they have like dogs who want it and who you know are gonna like be tough and. So I don't know if Milwaukee has that. those guys. Brooke Lopez? Yeah, exactly. Brooke Lopez <laughs> and Ilyasova and, like, fucking Kyle Korver. Yeah, I, I don't picture those guys really <laughs> intimidating anybody, you know? Charlie, if the Bucks move on, besides Giannis, who's going who's gonna to have to be that dude? Actually, I should say besides Giannis and besides Middleton, who do you think has to be, like, that third man that needs to step up for them? George Hill. I think George Hill has to really step up. I, I think Eric Bledsoe also needs to step up too. I think those two players need to be need to be solid for them. Definitely, uh, definitely agree there. They're gonna have to. You're gonna have to slow down Drogas. You're gonna have to slow down Butler. Those are two guys that are gonna have to get after it. Uh, you know, on the offensive end of the floor, and defensive. I'm going to have to roll with you guys. I'm going with, with the Heat. I'm actually going to say Heat in five just to spice things up a little bit. Ooh. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Easy, any p- final thoughts here? Um, Final thoughts? Houston closes this series out tonight. Okay. They don't push it to game seven. Houston closes it out tonight in six. All right. Chris Paul home crying again. (laughs) Charlie, any final thoughts, my man? Yeah, final thoughts tonight for me. You know, Heat closing out game one tonight with huge stat lines. Jimmy Butler going 40 points. Goran Dragic going 27. Bam adding 12. That's a lot of production from those three. So Milwaukee's got 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 their shit cut out for them in the next few. So let's go Heat. Let's go Heat. And plus, those jerseys are straight fire. Like, come on. Like, how can you root against a team like that? All right, boys. Till till next week. I'm sure we'll get some more. We'll probably get the conclusions of of the Rocket series, and we'll figure out who's playing who. And uh, we'll talk then, fellas. Have a good week. Later, guys. Have a great week. Peace.